who is the hardest person for you to personally forgive? Like when you think about the person who has done you wrong, the person who has done you harm, the person who has hurt you the most, who is the most difficult person for you to forgive in your life? Now, I got one more question for you. Is there anybody God can't forgive? Now, don't give me the theological question. I need you to get to the emotional level, right? Like, is there anybody that's too hard for God to forgive? How many of you say there's nobody too hard for God to forgive? Even if you can't forgive them, you say, no, God, God can forgive them, right? Yes. Now, here's the problem you have with that answer. God can forgive anybody. And because forgiveness is a divine act by nature, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, God says, just like he can forgive, you and I are expected to forgive. Now, I already know what somebody's saying. I ain't God. (laughs) And I understand you're not God, But here's where I will challenge you. The problem is not so much that you are not God. The problem is you're not being led, guided, and directed by enough of God. Because the truth of the matter is the more God has of us, the more he controls us, leads us, and guides us, the more we should reflect the best image of him and not our best image. At the root of every atrocity committed against people, it's the root of sin. Our selfishness, our self-centeredness, that allows us to look through the lens of our selfishness and see and perceive that what we're doing is right even when it's hurting so many people. Today I want to talk to you from the thought how to forgive one another. As we continue our series, Blessing Others by Living the One Another's, I I, want to share with you out of this passage, out of this text, because here's what I need somebody to understand today. At the end of the day, when we talk about learning how to forgive others, you really don't forgive others to be a blessing to them as much as you learn how to forgive others to be a blessing to yourself. I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that there are some of you right now who are walking around in your own prison with the key to let yourself out in the hand, but you refuse to unlock the door because you can't forgive somebody who has done you wrong. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? Amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Two things. I want you to see today, and we'll continue looking at this over the next week or two, this idea of how to forgive one another. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, you must learn how to bear with the faults of others. If you are going to learn how to forgive one another, number one, you must learn how to bear with the faults of others. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, 
forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The New Living Translation says, make allowance for each other's faults. Now that word for bearing, in the original language, syntactically, it's a present tense participle and it has an imperatival sense. In other words, this is something that you are expected by God to do and you should be doing it all the time. As a matter of fact, there's almost this preemptive idea about being prepared to bear with somebody's faults even before you have to deal with somebody's faults. Uh, it, it literally means to hold back, uh, to put up with, to endure. Now, I want you to understand the context within which Paul gives us verse 13. Look back at verse 12, if you can. Verse 12 says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Everybody say clothe yourselves. Which implies that you and I have a choice as to whether or not, based on our relationship with the Lord, we are going to put on the character traits that he is looking for us to put on. He says, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What Paul is basically describing there in verse 12 is the fruit of the Spirit, right? Some of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, here's what we need to understand while there is this emphasis in the body of Christ on the gifts of the Spirit and flowing in your gifts and, and flowing in your anointing, we don't talk much about living out the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the things we know about spiritual gifts is spiritual gifts come without repentance and they show up even in the most immature person. But the fruit of the Spirit is a sign of spiritual maturity and growth, right? Come on, somebody help me out if, if, if you know what I'm talking about. In other words, you just don't get saved and then just show up patient. You got, you got to work on that thing. <laughs> you know, you got to work on that gentleness thing. You know, some of us, well, you got to work on that humility thing, right? And even now, you saved, you still got to work on that humility thing. Because you can get beside yourself. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. That's all I'm trying to say. You, you have to recognize and learn your proclivity to walk in sin and the desires of the flesh. So, so watch what Paul says. Paul says, since God chose you, he says, and he loves you, clothe yourselves with this, these things. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you know you have those things? How do you know you have tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience? How do you know you have it? Because you say so? No. The way we find out if you really have it is when you test it to see if you really have it. You ever talk to somebody say, man, I'm a very patient person. I'm like stepping back because I'm like, mm, that lightning bolt about to come down. Not, not necessarily because they lying, but because the test is coming to prove whether they're telling the truth or not. 
right? Start boasting about how merciful you are. And watch the test come to see if you are really merciful. And so here's what Paul says. Based on verse 12, let's see if you live it out in verse 13. He says, first, bear with one another. Now, can, can I tell you something? Everybody has faults. And everybody has stuff that people have to put up with. And I know some of y'all are thinking right now, you're thinking in your mind, you sure right. You get them straight past. That's right. I'm tired of putting up with their stuff. And what you don't realize is they're sitting next to you saying the same thing about you. You looking at them talking about, yeah, I got to put up with your stuff. They looking at you saying, yeah, I got to put up with your stuff. Because all of us have some stuff. Every one of us has some weaknesses. Every one of us has some wickedness. Every one of us has uh, the proclivity, the ability to cause a misunderstanding. Every one of us has uh, the opportunity to neglect somebody. Every one of us has a spirit sometimes of negativity that shows up, failures and shortcomings that folk got to put up with. Everybody in here, you will have some days when you are not at your best. And somebody's got to put up with you when you are not your best. And so Paul says, listen, you got to learn how to get along with folk and put up with folk when they get on your nerve. Because guess what? They got to put up with you when you get on their nerve. So we have to learn how to bear with one another. Watch this. You don't have to approve what they do. You don't have to agree with them. You just have to learn how to endure it. And how many of you know sometimes it takes all of the Holy Ghost to help you endure some stuff? Right? Matter of fact, I was talking to a friend. He said, he said, um, he said Pastor, I have to start preemptively praying before I get to certain houses. Like, I got to pray that the spirit is on me when I walk in because I already know what is probably going to happen. Romans 15, 1, let's read it together. We who are weak or strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Galatians 6, 2, let's read it. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 1 says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Here's the second thing. You're going to learn how to forgive one another. Number two, you must learn what it means to forgive others. Uh, most of us have little to no clue as to what it means to forgive others and how we can forgive others. And part of the reason is because we start from the place of our flesh. And when my flesh is wounded, and my flesh has been hurt, the last thing my flesh wants to do 
is anything that I perceive that's going to bless the person who did me wrong. Some of y'all were feeling exactly where I was going. You're like, I know you're right. That's right, Pastor. You're right. You're right. Yes. Listen to what he says. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. I want you to circle the word forgiving, circle the word forgiven, and circle the word forgive. Now, Paul reminds us and challenges us because there are no exceptions here. Paul does not say forgive unless they do. Right? Paul says forgive. And notice what he says. He's got forgiving, forgiven, and forgive in one verse. So three times you have multiple iterations of this same word in the original language. Uh, the word forgiving there is an interesting word. Uh, like the word bearing, it's a present tense participle with imperatival emphasis. But, but here's what's interesting. The root of this word is the word grace. It's the word grace, which means what? You know about grace, right? The grace that God has shown us. Uh, it is the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. So Paul, first and foremost, wants you to understand that if you are using whether or not a person deserves it to forgive, wrong criteria. Because it's a grace act. It's a grace act. So watch what he says. Forgive because the Lord has forgiven you. Past tense. You should be forgiving in the present tense because you have been forgiven in the past. Based on what God has already done. God says, you've already done enough to be condemned for. I have already forgiven you, and you don't deserve that forgiveness. He says, so based on that, now here's what I expect you to do. I expect you to forgive each other. Now, I already told you, all of us commit offenses to other people that they could hold to our charge and choose not to forgive us. But here's what I need somebody to understand. When you fail to forgive, it has nothing to do with the other person and the severity of the offense. It has everything to do with you and your spiritual immaturity. Did I say that? I'm sorry, because some of y'all, I already know where some of y'all went. Some of you said, yeah, but you don't know how legitimate my pain is. You don't know how great my pain is. No, child of God, who says you know Jesus, and you've been washed in the blood and sealed by the Spirit. God is not saying your pain is not legitimate. What he is saying is that your spiritual maturity is not where it needs to be. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. 
So here's what he says. In essence, he says, you must be forgiving. You must be forgiving. Now, let me give you a couple of things about forgiveness in terms of what forgiveness means and what it doesn't mean. By forgiving, you give up, A, the right to retaliate. You give up the right to retaliate. You give up revenge. And you know revenge can be passive or aggressive. You can come at somebody in vengeance and you can shut them off in vengeance. Watch what the text says. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Let's, let's read it together so we can all be convicted together. <laughs> Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Listen, it was 1982. 1982. And man, this movie came out and there was a line in this movie that messed me up. I, I started quoting this line, man, because this was like my mantra for life and living. Check it out. Ah, Kirk, my old friend. Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold? It is very Y'all remember that? Come on, don't act like I'm the only Trekkie in here. Come on now. Come on here. Man, look here. I was like, revenge is a dish best served cold. Man, I started quoting that thing. Man, I started quoting that. Man, I see. Man, you, what? Hey, man, you, you know revenge is a dish best. Man, I'm quoting that thing like a scripture, y'all. Don't judge me. Y'all know y'all doing the same thing. For you and for me, child of God, revenge is not a dish best served cold. Revenge is a dish best served by God. Leave it with God. See, God has so much to work with. And, and watch this. You can't get mad. You got to give God an opportunity because where you see revenge, God just might see redemption. Uh, come here, Jonah. Jonah, go down to Nineveh. Jonah said, I, I, I ain't, I ain't, I'm not, uh-uh, I ain't going. I'm going to Tarsus. I am not going to Nineveh. No way. Why are you not going to Nineveh, Jonah? Because if I go down there and I preach, I know how merciful God can be, and God going to save them heathen Ninevites. I am not going to Nineveh. He jumped on a ship, and God said, oh, you going to Nineveh. Come on, some of y'all remember that story when you was in Sunday school, right? Went in the belly of a great fish, got spit up on the shores of Nineveh, and God said, now nah, I told you you were going to Nineveh, now you're going to do what I tell you to do. See, we don't know how God wants to move. We don't know what God is trying to do. We have to learn how to let God have his way. And if you are trying, watch this, to show somebody that what they did really didn't matter, the best revenge you can get is letting someone see that they didn't stop you from doing all that God wanted you to do. 
Here's B. When you learn how to forgive, you give up the burden of carrying your past pain so you can walk unburdened in your present and future. You give up the burden of carrying your past pain so you can walk unburdened in your present and future. Somebody in here right now, you carrying some burdens. You carrying your stuff. And if you're not careful, you will become boastful of how heavy the burden is you carrying. And all you are doing is prolonging your pain and pushing back your potential healing. Somebody in here right now, I know what you're saying. You say, listen, Pastor, I hear you. I understand. I guess I'm just spiritually immature because I ain't forgiven. That's it. It is what it is. I ain't letting them off the hook. Can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? When you forgive, you're not letting them off of the hook. You're getting yourself off of their hook. See, it's in unforgiveness that you allow that person to keep their hooks in you. They keep on affecting you. They keep on distracting you. They keep on destroying you. They keep on depressing you. They go on about their life. And you sitting there worrying about somebody who has stopped worrying about you a long time ago. Now, here are two questions that people always ask about forgiveness, and I'm going to let you go. First one, does forgiveness mean I got to restore them back to the place that they used to be? Not necessarily. I don't believe forgiveness requires me to put them back in a place of previous trust that has been violated. In other words, if a person stole my money, I can forgive them for stealing my money. I may not even press charges, but I ain't got to give them my wallet back. You understand what I'm saying? It's like faith and foolishness. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm not, Jesus, I'm walking with you, God. I got you. But he can't have my wallet no more. Right? Sometimes restoring them back to that previous place of trust it is just not going to be possible. But you have to understand that. But that right to retaliate and seek revenge, you need to let go of. Uh, here's a second one. Does forgiveness require me to forget? You ever hear somebody say that? Forgive and forget. Forget about it. Forgive and forget. And when, when we talk about forgetting, here's what I need you to understand. It's not like you are performing a frontal lobotomy on yourself. Right? It's not like you're going to wipe it away from your mind. When, when Paul talks about forgetting in Philippians chapter 3, what he is referring to is not revisiting the past in a way that it's present in your life like something just happened today. Uh, let me put a cord in the meat and park there for a second. I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody or heard somebody talk, or maybe you have talked about something that happened, and you're saying, man, when did that happen, yesterday? Oh, no, 20 years ago. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you hear, 
Man, they telling some story and you like, did this just happen? And they talking like, I mean, it's, I mean, vivid, like living color. And you're like, wow, 20 years ago? But that pain is still real today because it hasn't been resolved and it hasn't been let go of. So when Paul says forget, Paul is saying, hey, man, stop living like it happened yesterday. Put that thing aside, render it inert, powerless. No more power. Just sitting there. You ain't got to worry about it. Done. Leave it behind. Stop dragging it with you everywhere you go. Now, I already know what some of you are saying. That's easier said than done, Pastor. You are absolutely right. That's why forgiveness is divine in nature. And you cannot do it without divine help. And let's be honest. Most of us, when we've talked about forgiving somebody, we thought about it in our flesh. We never tried to do it in his spirit. Come on now. We haven't prayed about it. We haven't fasted about it. We haven't sought God about it. Mm-mm. Pastor said, try to forgive. I ain't God. I ain't Jesus. I ain't, mm-mm. I ain't happening. Well, we know it's not going to happen as long as you're staying in your flesh. You'll never walk in obedience to what God commands us to do if you stay in your flesh. But child of God, the question is, if nobody else does, will you walk in the spirit? And where there's a struggle, where there's a hardship and hard times, are you willing to say, Lord, I need you to help me with this because I can't do it by myself. Father, I bless you today. I bless you because so many times people come and they want the word to affirm where they are instead of being challenged to live and get to where we need to be. And God, I stand right now on behalf of all of us saying we know forgiveness is not easy. Uh, Great or small, repeated offenses, people that act like no offense was ever done, people who don't ask for forgiveness. God, it's, it's always a struggle to walk by your spirit and not in our flesh. But God, help somebody today. Help somebody today to recognize that at the end of the day, the only person that is really being hurt is not the person who hurt them, but they're really hurting themselves. Help somebody to understand today, God, that in failing to forgive, they are failing to set themselves free. that the person who hurt them probably doesn't even care if they're forgiven. But when we forgive, we unlock the prison door to our own cell. 
and give ourselves permission to move on and to live life in the fullest way possible. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, I want to share a couple of uh, testimonies that have been shared with me. One person just this week didn't know that this was the sermon and the next step in the One Another series. And she said to me, she said, Pastor, she said, you don't know how God used you to change my life. Um, for years, I didn't talk to my father. She said that this week, yesterday, she said, for years, I didn't talk to my father. And she said, you talked about forgiving. And I, I was convicted. I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. And I reached out to my dad. This was years ago. I reached out to my dad. And we were able to reconnect. And uh, she said, we have a really good relationship now that I wouldn't have had without the word challenging and convicting me. Somebody else said to me they, they not only had a bad relationship with their father but all their siblings did as well. Because how many of you know that, that toxicity and that negativity man can become generational if you're not careful man. And somebody today, I, I just, even, even beyond the invitation, I, I want you to, the text says, bear with one another's faults. And I, I can tell you as a father who would go back and do things differently if I could. And I'm not the only person. How many of y'all are not ashamed to say if you could go back, you, you'd do some things differently, right? Sometimes we just have to learn that uh, those people that we loved and looked up to have their own shortcomings and shortfalls and, and their own issues. Um, I've told y'all before, you know, my dad was abusive, physically abusive, uh, preaching and still physically abusive to my mother. Um, and our relationship was ruptured when I got big enough that I could stand up to him and tell him that's, that's enough. It ain't happening no more. And uh, man, I lost years with my dad. And even when I reached out to him, um, you know, he didn't want to see me. Um, I, I realized later on that he was sick. Physically, he was very sick. 
And I don't know if it was him not wanting me to see him or if it was his new wife that didn't want me to see him. A combination thereof. Because that was the woman that he left my mother for. And uh, y'all would help me forgive him. Um, I had to learn a couple of things. I'm, I'm telling somebody this today because I want to help somebody. Um, one, well, some stuff is just grown folk business. Now, I'm not, I'm not excusing my father. L listen to me carefully. My mama was his woman before she became my mother. Are y'all hearing me? And I learned some stuff about my mother after she started living with me. Y'all, listen, listen. Y'all know, I, man, I love my mother. Man, nothing I wouldn't do for my mother. That, I mean, she was my ride or die. But there were some things that I saw when she started living with me. I was like, oh, Jesus. Lord, have mercy. All right. Here's the other thing that helped me. I looked back at my family on my father's side and I saw all of the abuse that he experienced. We, we always say, right, celebrate recovery. Hurt people hurt people. And sometimes hurt people don't know any other way to interact with somebody except to hurt them. Listen, I'm not approving it. I'm not excusing it. Because if he had put his hands on my mama again, we would have had a problem. But what I don't excuse, what I don't condone, I can understand. And I understood, man, this dude was hurting his whole life. His whole life. I literally could look back over his life. And I felt sorry for him. Man, I felt sorry for him. Y'all, I felt sorry. That even though he was my father in the ministry, I could never invite him, never had a chance to have him come at Good Hope. I felt sorry that he never got a chance to know his grandchildren. Like, I felt sorry for him. I'm like, man, dude, you, don't, you realize the decisions that you made and what you missed? The last time I reached out to him, I just wanted to tell him, one, I love you, man. Because I don't care how much you hate your daddy or your mama, when you look in the mirror, you see some of them in you. <laughs> Get mad if you want to. Like your hands, your feet, your walk, your look, your talk, your attitude. You know, children be like, I don't know where she get that from. Oh, I know. Okay, three guesses, and the last two don't count. All right. And, and then the only thing I could do is pray. And here's my prayer. Lord, don't let that negativity and that unresolved pain affect me any more than it already has. 
tell you what I want to do today. If you'd like to join the church or you want to give your life to the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Put the QR code up there. You can just scan that QR code real quick. Everybody pull out your phone so nobody has to feel awkward pulling out their phone. Everybody pull it out and point it right up there. Whether you're using it or not, just point it up there. I don't want anybody to feel funny because they're trying to do it. You know what I mean? Get your camera. Go and do it. we all doing it together. We're pointing at the same thing, right? Okay? So if you want to unite with our church, you want to give your life to the Lord, use that QR code. Here's what I want to do today. I, w- I want to have a time of special prayer. Uh, yeah. If you're upstairs, just as a step of faith, if you feel led, not that God can't hear you where you are, but just as a step of faith to say, you know what? I want to walk out of and away from where I've been. That anger, that hurt, that pain. Um, haven't been able to let it go. You know. And y'all, we've, we've gone. Listen, everybody in here, if I go through the stories, you've been through some stuff. So I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying you can't do it without God and without people surrounding you and encouraging you to do what God has called you to do for your own sake, for your children's sake, for your children's children's sake. And I don't, I don't want my grandchildren walking around with that stuff, man. I don't want my grandchildren's children dealing with that stuff I want to give you anybody you want to come to the altar for prayer I just want to invite you to come if you're downstairs if you're upstairs you don't want to come all the way down you can stand at the rail but if you're saying you know what pastor I need some help with some stuff because I've been dealing with some stuff and and here's here's the issue I want y'all to hear me today that stuff will affect relationships like you, you, you wondering why you can't get along with men or women or why you switch from men to women. Y'all, somebody say, keep it real, Pastor. Right? Because you've been hurt by a man, assaulted, molested by a man. Now you're trying to find love with a woman or vice versa. And y'all, that's not how God, when I say God, God didn't create us to walk in that pain. That's not his desire for us. And so many of us, God, have, we recognize, come on now, we've been self-medicating and self-treating. How's that worked out for you? Retail therapy won't save you. Closet full of clothes with tags still on it, broke and still in pain. Hating other people because you can't love yourself. I want to help somebody today because forgiveness is the gift that you need to give to yourself. 
not to anybody else. Man, you give it to yourself. As much as I wanted to reconnect with my dad, I didn't even know when that dude died. Man, she didn't even call and tell us. We, we found out he died like three years later. My son was doing a genealogy report. And he just mentioned it. And I was like, what? He said, you didn't know your dad died? Because he didn't know him. Never met him. He was like, oh, Pop, I'm sorry. I thought you knew and you just didn't tell us. I was like, man, I had no idea. But even with his dying, I still had peace. You know why? Because I didn't need him to be present to give myself the present of forgiveness. I didn't need him to ask for it. I didn't need him to own anything. I knew what I knew. I don't need you to own anything. Bro, I got it. I understand. I feel sorry for you. Uh, if you can't join hands with somebody, touch him on the shoulder, elbow, whatever, and let's pray. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Um, because there are many of us who are standing here right now who publicly look much better than we feel privately. And the issues that we wrestle with of, of insecurity and low self-esteem and, and low self-worth because of what others have done to us and how others have taken advantage of us. How others have caused us pain and hurt. And God, what we have not been able to get over, we, we were able to push through, but we pushed through with some residual scarring. And every now and then, God, something will trigger us. Or the enemy will remind us. Sometimes we'll get derailed from being our best. Many times just when we think we have overcome and we're good, here comes something to pull us back in. I pray right now, God, in the name of Jesus. God, touch by your spirit. Every person under the sound of my voice. God, you know their particular pain. You know their particular issues. Some of which, God, they have not shared with anyone because of their own shame, even though it wasn't something that they did and nothing that they would approve of doing now. God, I pray that you would forgive them and help them to forgive themselves where victimizers and perpetrators have led them to shame and, and made them to feel like it was their fault. God, give them your grace and mercy and remind them, God, that your grace is sufficient. And God, help us today by the power of your Holy Spirit to release the burden of unforgiveness that we've been carrying around. 
For somebody, God, it has been not days, weeks, or months. It's been years. For somebody, it's been decades. And we're still walking around with a fresh wound that we have never allowed to heal. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing into our lives. I pray, God, that you will use this message and use your spirit to help us to let it go. Help us to release it. For somebody who has already begun the process, God, give them a new level of freedom. A new level of clarity. So that they can continue on in the process of becoming all you want them to be. God, where my prayers fall short, where our prayers fall short, we ask you to make up the difference now as only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let all of God's people say, Amen.